is a podcast from Impact 89 FM. Sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Impact exposure, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Harinku. Be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are you doing this Monday? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. That's good to hear. You have a nice weekend? Yeah. Yep. I had, a, I had a good weekend. I went up north and hung out with my family all weekend, so I'd say it was pretty pretty legit. Pretty legit. Pretty yeah. nice. Relaxing. Mm-hmm. Very. Oh, well, no, that's great to hear. Yeah, it was a gorgeous weekend. Uh, obviously, hot outside, but uh, absolutely beautiful still. Um, just gorgeous out there these days, so I uh, can't complain at all. And it was a little breezy today, so I think it cooled off just a little bit. So not too bad, but uh, a lot to get to on today's show, uh, hands down. Uh, a lot of baseball really going on. This show is going to be a lot about baseball, really. Um, we have the All-Star Game that's coming up tomorrow night. Home Run Derby this evening. Uh, home Run Derby, always fun. Uh, definitely going to be talking about that. Um, Tigers, you know, finished off, uh, you know, Know, their series with the Kansas City Royals here on Sunday, t- and now they're heading to the All-Star break, obviously, so we're going to talk about how they did this last week. Uh, Half-game lead right now in the division, so I uh, kind of start thinking, I mean, is this going to be the same second-half Tigers when they come out of this break, or are we going to see a new team? Um, we're also going to discuss uh, Mr. 3000, Derek Jeter, hitting his 3000th hit, and uh, the story behind that, which is a really, uh, really good story. I definitely want to talk about that. Um, we also have a little news about the Red Wings, a uh, little uh, Piston news, uh, obviously see the Women's World Cup, which was uh, a huge event going on yesterday. So we got it all for you. Uh, Don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is the number. You can call and I'll show. Uh, We got a lot of opinion topics this show, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, A lot to talk about. And we're going to start off with just the Tigers, then we'll move into the All-Star Game festivities. Um, Looking at the Detroit Tigers, uh, they are going into the All-Star break here, 49 and 43. Uh, Not too bad at all. Uh, Really finished off uh, uh, this well with the Kansas City Royals. Royals didn't have the best series against the Angels. Um, as we talked about before, they don't play the best out on the West Coast. Angels are also a really good team. Um, yes, looking at last week, they had a three-game series against the Los Angeles Angels at L.A., and that was Monday through Wednesday. Uh, Monday, a uh, tough loss, 5-1. to one. Uh, I think Furbush did a pretty good job, gave up only about four, but at the same time, just locked down, could not get any hits going that evening. Uh, tough. Uh, Tuesday's game, which was a game, Verlander versus Heron. Fantastic game. This was, uh, even though we lost this game 1 nothing. it was one of the best games I had watched all season. Um, a completely pitcher's duel. Uh, game of inches, really so close. Uh, such a really good game. Heron was just the better guy on the mound. I mean, Verlander gives up one run. Just one run. So, uh, a fantastic game by both pitchers. And, you know, Heron was just the better guy that night on the mound. Uh, nice to see, though, Tigers getting a win on Wednesday, winning 5 to 4. Brad Penny getting it done, always doing very well in these day games. Brad Penny seems to get a day game all the time, which seems to work out well for us because he's doing pretty decent right now. Taking a look real fast at the Kansas City series. Uh, Thursday, uh, nice win, 3-1. to one. Scherzer on the mound. Friday, 6-4 to four win as well with Porcello getting it done. Uh, Furbush getting lit up on Saturday, uh, losing 13-6. to six. Absolutely uh, just stomped on. Eight eight unearned runs. Um, absolutely abused. He is being sent down. They brought up Danny Wirth. Uh, I'm still not completely worried about Furbush. He's going to actually be pitching during this All-Star break, get his stuff together, and uh, hopefully come back and you know be ready to go. He had a rough outing, but he's a young kid, and he hasn't been out there much. So we got to give him the benefit of the doubt, I'd say, until at least we see how he does when he comes back from Toledo. Looking at Sunday's game, what's new? Justin Verlander. Always getting it done. Two to one was uh, was the final score. Um, Justin Verlander again had an amazing game. The guy now has twelve wins on the season. He's twelve and four with a two point one five ERA. It just continuously drops for this guy. Uh, really, Cy Young again worthy material so far up to this point. And again, you look at his loss that he took on Tuesday. He gave up one run. Just a run. So, I mean, even in a loss, the guy's ERA is still falling. Um, so he's doing a fantastic job out there. He went seven and two-thirds innings uh, yesterday afternoon, gave up six hits, um, in an unearned run, struck out nine, didn't walk a soul. 
Verlander just playing absolutely amazing. Again, this team's got a half-game lead on Cleveland. So uh, Cleveland is 47-42. and 42. The Chicago White Sox are five games behind us at this time. Minnesota Twins right behind Chicago with their six-and-a-half games out. And KC, again, really just starting to fall behind the, by the wayside, 11-and-a-half games out at this point. Uh, you know, Megan, looking at these games, looking at how this team has played, closing out, winning three out of four against uh, KC, which was good. Struggled against the Angels, but uh, at the same time, we have we have the lead again. Is this team, I mean, are they going to be able to come out in the second half and maintain it? Because last year, they were 49-38 and 38 going into the All-Star break. They were only a half game behind. This year, do you see a different Detroit ball club, you know, with this team? I mean, they're more than capable to come back um, after the All-Star break and just keep going with it, you know. Um We've seen it. We've seen it throughout the games and everything. And yeah, we've had some scares. I think throughout the ones, especially against the um, against the Twins or Kansas Kansas City. Sorry, wow, Kansas City. Yeah, some City. close games. Yeah, some some close games, and then we ended up getting losing what like thirteen to six. Thirteen to six on set. Yeah, Furbush got absolutely destroyed. And that's what I've been talking to my friends about it, and they're saying we're we are a good team. We we've done we've improved a lot offensively. We've improved a lot defensively. The one thing we really really need is one more pitcher. Uh huh. And you know, all of our pitchers, yeah, they have their rough rough or their rough start. Excuse us. Excuse me. As their starting pitchers is what I meant to say. Yes. Um, we've all had our rough. They've all had their rough starts. Um, Except, you know, Verlander's been pretty consistent Verlander's for a long time. Verlander's been amazingly consistent, yeah, yes. And, um, but, you know, when we got rid of Coke and put him back to relief, middle uh-huh. relief, and then brought up Furbush to put him there, he got sent back down to the minors, which is what I guess they'd been planning that for a while, um, to send him back down throughout the All-Star break. That's what uh-huh. they were saying on uh, Sunday. And, you know, they, they just need, I think, one more person in that rotation in order to kind of give our team the kind of um, uh, the pedestal that they need on top of the other teams, because once they get that, then I think every game they can at least win. Um, there shouldn't be any reason they should lose them, because they definitely have it. And uh, I think they can definitely come back. And So, I mean, at this well. time, I mean, we still have a whole half season left. We have a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Right now, I mean, it's early, but you're, you're picking Detroit to win this division, or maybe more the wild card, or do you think the wild card is not even an option? We have to win the division. Uh you know, it, it's it's hard to say, especially with so much season left. Um, True, we, but we're, we're at the halfway point, so right. I think we can make an educated guess and, uh, you know, speculate right now. With with where they're at right now and where Cleveland is and where the White Sox are, yeah, I could see them winning the division. Okay. Um, just from watching their games and everything, I yeah, I can definitely see them taking it. Yes, I mean, the team is built to win this season. They really are. They have a, they have a deeper lineup than they did last year. Um, I completely believe that. Um, when you have five guys hitting basically 300 or better, and guys like Victor and Peralta and Cabrera and Bosch and Avila, uh, that's very impressive. Um, the starting pitching, like you mentioned, Megan, um, Verlander, obviously solid. I think Scherzer, I'm not really worried about Scherzer. I know he's had some rough outings, but I think he's really he's experienced enough that I think he's figured it out. Uh, Penny, Penny's looking pretty darn well, uh, pretty good as well, I believe. That It's that fifth guy, and Porcello still worries me because I haven't seen Porcello had have two good outings in a row. At least I can't recall two really good outings by Porcello. He seems to have a good one and then has a very mediocre one. So uh, I'm looking at Porcello to really figure it out. When we talk playoffs, though, you're talking about three-guy rotation. You don't need five starters when you get to the playoffs. You need a solid three. So you have Verlander, Scherzer, and somebody. Who is that somebody? I don't know. Is it you know? Is it Penny? Maybe. Is it Porcello? Who knows? If Porcello plays like he has in the past, then yes. But at the same time, we don't know. Uh, with Furbush being sent down after that horrible outing that he had, his ERA jumped to 8.59 after that game, uh, which was just terrible. What they're talking about is if Furbush is not immediately recalled to the team, what do they do? You're not bringing Coke back out of the you know out of the bullpen now to say okay well you got to start a little bit. Um, they have mentioned this name. It's his name is uh, Dwayne Bello. Uh, he's a Toledo left-hander who has had his last five starts for the Mud Hens. He's been five and one with a two uh, two three five ERA. So if Furbush is not immediately ready, 
this is the guy they might go to. He's only 25 years old. You know, he's done very well here in, uh, with the Mud Hens. Um, the reason that you know he just he recovered from Tommy John surgery back in '09. That's why he's been down there in uh, AAA, uh, playing down there. So if he gets a chance, we might see some of his, uh, some action from him. Uh, tough to see. Uh, hopefully, Furbush. He figures it out. Uh, he just gets it figured out and comes back and gets it done. Again, the Detroit Tigers, 49-43. and 43. Um, They had a better record actually last year in the first half of 49-38. and 38. But at the same time, I think this ball club has played better um, at this time uh, this year. And if they can figure out their hitting, I mean, figure out their pitching, excuse me, enough, I really think that will give them enough of a boost to win this division. If they don't win the division this year, well, you're going to really have to start looking at things. Now, I mean, real fast, Megan, again, this is just speculation, but if we don't win the division, if we fall short because we play a crappy September, is it time for Leland to go? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, his style of coaching has worked for a while for this team, especially back back in, you know, the mid-2000s or whatever, 2006, 2007 mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, it's worked pretty well for him, but I think with how close or how good we were at the beginning of the season last year and how we just fell off, after the All-Star game, and then looking at this year, how we've been kind of back and forth, and if we end up falling off again after the All-Star break, obviously he isn't doing something right. Um, I think it's about time to look at someone else, just like the whole um, the, the thing they did with the pitching coach. I think it's time to almost yeah, with cleanse, yeah, with cleanse the whole team and start all over because I think it's time for a change. And I know a lot of people have said Leland has an old-style um, uh, coaching. A lot with his lineups, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've watched a few of them, and I get kind of confused where he puts people and stuff. But, uh-huh. you know, whatever he does, it works sometimes. It doesn't work other times. And for, as, as of right now, you have to have faith in him. But after, after the season, if they fall off like they did last year, I think it's time to look at a change and get rid of Leland. I know. I mean, I've had this conversation with so many people. And, you know, Leland, is a, he's a great manager. He's done so many great things in his career. But, you know, you do wonder at some point, you know, when you lose that benefit of the doubt, yeah, you made it to the World Series in 2006, which was great. Don't get me wrong. It was a fantastic run. But at the same time, you've fallen short year after year, whether it's the second half collapse last year, um, being forced to play in a play-in game with Minnesota in 2009 because you just – I know Minnesota played out of their mind that last month of the season, but you still let them get there. And that was one of the best games of baseball I've seen in my life, but we lost. We did not get to the playoffs still because we fell short. I think – uh, and everyone always says, well, who are you going to get? Well, that's not the issue. You figure that out, you know, not after you fire someone, but around the time you're thinking about doing that. There'll be managers available. Are they going to be as good as Jim Leland? Who knows? But they might need a different voice in the locker room. I'm not trying to be down about the Tigers right now. They have a half-game lead in the division, and now they get to rest. Thank God this team played 37 games in 38 days. They need a break. Okay, they won't play again until Friday the 15th. They start a home series against the Chicago White Sox Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, the team will at least be able to relax. Um, Again, these guys need it. I think they're very drained. This all-star break is coming at a perfect time. So hopefully uh, things get going there. Um, on, a, on a real good note, uh, Tigers' uh, Carlos Guillen, he's been moved from uh, AAA Toledo to AA Erie. Um, the reason that he's been transferred to AA Erie is because right now Toledo is currently on its all-star break until Thursday. So Guillen is expected to play tonight for Erie. Um, their nicknames are the Seawolves. Very cool. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, the Seawolves, but no, he's expected to play. Um, you know, he has not played since last August with the Tigers because of the microfracture surgery that he's had on his left knee. Um, his knee has just been the bane of his existence, in my opinion. I mean, I've been, we need this guy back really bad. When you have guys like Rayburn and Inge just not doing it, they're not hitting well, they're not getting it done. And it's just, it's really starting to frustrate me because, you know, you give contract. I, I, everyone loves Brandon Inge. He's the longest tenure Tiger. Um, everyone's got a soft spot for this guy, but he's not producing. Um, it almost is, I was trying to make this argument that, you know, when we had Gerald Laird, it was always like, well, he's such a great defensive catcher. Just, he's such a great defensive catcher. But when your catcher's still batting 180, that's just not good enough. Okay, you got a guy like Brandon Inge, a fantastic defensive third baseman, hands down. He's great at his position, gets to more balls, and I think he hustles harder. You know, going into the stands, doing what he has to do to make a play on any ball. At the same time, he's batting like 196, and he's batting 100 since he's been back from his rehab assignment in 13 games. He's batting 100. That is not going to get it done. You can't 
be batting 100 as a third baseman. I don't. You can't be batting 100 no matter what position mm-hmm. you're playing. But that's why Guillen, he says, quote, I feel really good. Physically, I feel 100%. On the field, it's different in the game. Game speed is a little bit different, but I feel great. Right now, Guillen is currently batting 281 for the Mud Hens. Seven RBIs, five runs scored, and one home run. Uh, Guillen is 35 at this time. Um, he batted 273 in 68 games last season, and he batted 242 in 81 games in 2009. So he really has been dealing with injuries, has not been able to play as much of a season as I think he obviously would want to and as, as much as we'd want to have them. He's great at second base. He can hit for power. Um, I just hope he comes back as soon as possible. We need that bat in the lineup. Uh, he needs to get back here. But uh, that's that's all on Carlos Guillen. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, hopefully I just really want this guy to come back. It's been too long coming to just, you know, he's on the 15-day DL. He's on the 60-day DL. He's it's like, is your knee okay? It's been a, like, please, tell me it's okay. But I, um, I don't know. I have a question because they're thinking about putting Guillen at second. Yeah. What are they going to do with Rayburn? Because I, knowing Leland, I think he kind of has a soft spot for Rayburn. I think he does too. And, you know, everyone's like, I know they're thinking about, moving him or sitting or benching him or moving him down or something. And now that he, like, he had a home run in one of the games this past series. He did. And he did a couple other decent things that no one's ever going to give him credit for because he is Rayburn and he always finds some way to screw it up and make people hate him more than before. (laughs) But, like, what do you think they're going to do with him once or once if and when Guillen If and when Guillen is ready to go and – well, that's the thing. Like, I don't think I don't know if Yen's saying he feels 100. percent Can he be an everyday player? Is he going to need to play a little more sporadically for the first uh, week or two that he's playing? I'm not too sure what they plan on that. Uh, Rayburn, I would not be completely upset if they sent him down for a minute, try to work on his swing, um, or maybe like you know make. God, what do you do with Rayburn? Seriously, um, throw him in the outfield every now and then. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a really interesting outfield with Jackson not out there and everything. Yeah, Jackson, they've been resting Jackson a lot recently. Yeah, and they um, big Casper out there. They had, yeah, Casper out there. You have Don Kelly out yeah. there at times, Bosch out there, yeah. Dirks. So mm-hmm. I think he might just become one of the rotation. Rotations. Yeah, he's going to be one of those guys. Because, yeah, if he doesn't, he's. I think he has, last time I saw it was like nine home runs, 32 RBIs roughly, just right about that. So I know Rayburn's a second-half guy, but... Let's see it. I, I get tired of saying that. Oh, he's a second half guy. Well, yeah, he was last season. He was a season before that. But you can't always count on that. Uh, you need it now as well. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you can figure that out. Um, talking about the All Star game real fast. Uh, our good boy Johnny Peralta has been named to the All Star game, um, which is fantastic. Uh, he's been named. He's replacing uh, Yankees Derek Jeter. Um, Jeter was voted as a starter, but chose to not play and sit out because he has a sore calf. So uh, Peralta will be at the reserve spot, and as Drupal Cabrera will start so uh you know Peralta made it there which is uh you know great to see uh Peralta who's batting 313 at this time um having just an incredible season so congratulations to uh Peralta um it's just great to see another Tiger make it you know fifth all-star for the Tigers here uh as well with Alex Avila, Justin Verlander, Valverde, Miguel Cabrera so uh you know it's the most all-stars they the most all-stars they've had is six and that was in 1984 and 1985 when they had just come off winning the World Series and then the year after that with just a bunch of names that will go down Tiger history. So congratulations to our boy Peralta. But the home run derby is tonight. And real fast, I want to ask the audience, do you like the all-star game more or do you like the home run derby more? As a fan of baseball, what gets you more excited? It's just kind of like, do you like the dunk contest in the NBA or do you like the game that's played? What excites you more? 517-432-3893. Uh, Megan, your opinion. Uh, you know, because the All-Star game has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game, uh, you know, obviously for the last, uh, I believe, uh, 10 to 12 years, it has count, you know, for a home field advantage in the World Series uh, for whichever league wins that, um, as well as it doesn't have as much flavor to it because we have interleague play now. Mm-hmm. So these Teams, these players, a lot of them have already seen each other, so it's not like the first time. What do you like better, that the long ball home run deal, or do you like watching that All-Star game? Because it, it does have a significance to the season. Right. Well, as a fan watching it. As a um, fan. I, I personally, like, I do like the All-Star game. It's interesting to watch. It's just another one of those games, you know, where all the, the big guys all come together and they play each other. Yep. It's kind of a fun thing, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it is home field advantage, whatnot. I, I like watching... Um, I think the home run derby better. I think 
I, I'm nothing against Inge, but I think my favorite year was when he didn't hit his. He didn't hit any. Run. Oh god. And you brutal. Know, it's really interesting just as, just to watch these power hitters just one after the other after the other, mm-hmm. and I just think it's more interesting to me rather than just watching a bunch of really good guys. Just play. like all right, one inning for Halliday, one yeah. inning next yeah, pitcher, one inning best closer, one inning. So much rotation. Oh yeah. And it's not like a normal game. Not at all. And so I, I honestly I like the um, home run derby. You like better. the home run derby more? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd have to agree with you. Um, I just the home run derby is always fun. I just like I like the dunk contest more in the NBA. I like the skills competition more in the NHL All Star mm-hmm. Game. And I just don't watch the Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but, no, definitely I'll go with the Home Run Derby as well. It's just fun. I do understand that there's significance to this game being played. But as you se- you see this year, how many guys are even choosing just not to play in it? Mm-hmm. Um, guys, whether, yes, maybe right. because they did start on Sunday. A lot of these pitchers, they can't by league rules. But you also have guys that I think are just, they don't feel like it. And you have the, you've had the same thing happen with the NFL and the Pro Bowl of guys just not wanting to go. Guys not wanting to do it. And it's surprising to see the MLB this year with so many people sitting out. And not pe- not everyone sitting out because they have to. Some people sitting out because, you know what, eh, my, my calves hurt me a little bit. Yeah. But I did just play in a whole baseball series. you know. So I just think uh, people are getting a little more lackadaisical about the actual game. Uh, rather than the festivities. Uh, But looking at the home run derby tonight, we have uh, some really good uh, bats out there. Jose Batista, who leads the league with 31 home runs. Uh, Prince Fielder, who has 22. Matt Kemp from the Dodgers has 22 as well. David Ortiz, Big Poppy, got 19. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez and uh, Ricky Weeks uh, both have 17. Uh, Robinson Cano and Matt uh, Holiday rounded out. Cano with 15. Holiday has 14 on the season. So hearing those names, you know, Batista, the man's been a home run machine ever since last year. He came out of nowhere uh, just hitting the ball like crazy. Uh, you know, Prince Fielder, always, uh, you know, Cecil Fielder's uh, son, always been a great hitter. Man kept, man kept having an amazing season in the National League right now with the Dodgers. He's playing fantastic. Uh, Big Poppy seems to not be in any way. He's like he's not getting older. He's still hitting the ball fantastic. Um, again, Gonzalez, Weeks, uh, Cano, and Holiday. Out of those names, Megan, um, you know, who are you liking right, who are you liking right now to, uh, you know, possibly win that home run derby? Uh, I mean, it's a lot of names, and you can't always go with yeah. the guy with the most. You never know. I, I mean, I, Ortiz has been in there a lot. But yeah, and Ortiz is a fan favorite. People love right. Big Poppy getting up there. Of course. Um, out of all these names, yeah, I'd have to go with him. Just because he's been in there so often. Oh, yeah, and he's and, good. And he's good. Yeah, he's been good a lot. <laughs> he really has been. So I, I, I love Big Poppy. Everyone does, even though he's a Red <laughs> Every, Sox. He's, the, mean, like, he's like the only Red Sox I like. But have you seen that commercial with him where he goes around New York hugging people? No, I haven't seen oh that one gosh, yet. Oh, my gosh, it's the funniest <laughs> thing ever. It's a YouTube video, too. I don't know if you guys ever want to check it out, but... He's walking around New York, and he, he walks up to all these New York fans, like ones that are wearing, like, Yankee stuff, and uh-huh. he walks up to them, and he's like, come on, can I have a hug? Give me a hug. Yeah, and everyone's like, the first couple are like, eh, no, and then after a while, everyone's like, who, who doesn't want to Who doesn't, who doesn't want a hug? Come on. Yeah, so... It's it's funny, but that's just something if you guys want to check it out. No, that's pretty cool. But um, no, yeah, uh, with the home run derby. Also, uh, anyone listening, call in. Who do you think is going to win the home run derby? Phone number is five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Um, for me, the home run derby. See, I've been thinking about this. You took Ortiz. I was thinking about taking Ortiz. You stole <laughs> Ortiz. You stole Ortiz yeah. from me because I don't think Batista's going to win it. I really don't. Um, I think Batista's fantastic, but I just don't. I, I'm not going to go with the favorite. I'm going to go with. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Matt Kemp. I think Kemp, he's just been, you know, he's been playing playing better than he usually plays. He's having an amazing season. I'll take him as my dark horse. Um, I don't think Holiday will get it done. Cano, Weeks. But, yeah, really those top guys. I hope Ortiz or Kemp. I mean, I like a lot of these guys on the list. I don't really dislike anybody who's uh, in the home run derby. So, good luck for me. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, looking at the All-Star game real fast, though, uh, Tigers' Alex Avila is going to be betting ninth uh, for the American League here in the All-Star game Tuesday evening. And uh, the, we have the starting pitchers for the NL and the AL now uh, for the uh, for the All-Star game. Uh, Halliday of the uh, Phillies with an 11-3 record and a 2-4-5 ERA is going to be starting in uh, the All-Star game 
game for the National League. He also started in the 2009 All-Star game while he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. So he will be the fourth pitcher to make an All-Star, uh, All-Star start for both leagues uh, following Vita Blue, Roger Clemens, and Randy Johnson. So uh, congratulations to Halliday. Uh, first pitcher actually since uh, Kurt Schilling uh, in 1999 to uh, make a start in the All-Star game. Uh, Halliday, yes, having an incredible year. And none other, Jared Weaver, who's 11-4 right now, 1.86 ERA. Um, he's the third pit, uh, Angels pitcher ever to start in an All-Star game following Nolan Ryan in 1979 and Mark Langston in 1993. So uh, Weaver and Halliday will be battling it out in the first, and they'll probably pitch one inning, <laughs> maybe two. Uh, we'll see, but it uh, should be an interesting game. Uh, again, the starting lineup for the American League, Curtis Granderson in the outfield, is Drupal Cabrera at shortstop, Adrian Gonzalez at first base. We have Jose Batista in right field, Josh Hamilton in left field. Adrian Beltre will play third base. Ortiz will be your DH. Robinson Cano will be at second base. And Alex Avila will be ninth. So that is what's happening. Catcher, obviously, but he's batting ninth. Uh, and National League, real fast. Ricky Weeks is going to start it off at second. Second in the batting order, Carlos Beltran uh, is DH. Center fielder Matt Kemp will be third. Fourth, Prince Fielder at first. Brian McCann is the catcher at fifth. Lance Berkman is going to be in right field for you guys with Matt Holliday in left. You got Tulowitzki at shortstop. And Scott Rowland at third base is your lineup for the National League. So right now, Megan... Uh, you know, looking at this, uh, you know, the American League has had a lot of su- uh, success over the last 12 to 13 years against the National League, mm-hmm. uh, 12, uh, 12 and 1, basically. Uh, they did lose last year, um, unfortunately, 3 to 1. But uh, since then, the American League has dominated uh, the National League in most recent history. It has gone back and forth, and historically, it's uh, extremely even. But as of right now, I mean, I know we're biased. It's, in- it's impossible not to be. I mean, we love the American League, but who do you think is going to win it? I mean, the American League has the Yankees, and of course they're all starters, so why wouldn't they win? I'm just kidding. That's just everyone's opinion. Uh-huh. Everyone's like, oh, they're not a Yankee. They're not going to be in the All-Star game. Um, <laughs> of course I'm going to be biased. Of course. <laughs> um, just the American League is just full of amazing players, as is the National League, but you always hear more about the American League players, I feel like. Um, but yes, I mean, people care more about you have the bigger teams right. in the American League, hands down. And, you know, based on past history, like you said, based on who they have in there and everything and be, based on being biased, but mostly the other things. Mostly the um, other things. I, I would have to say the American League. I think they need to redeem themselves. No, I mean, yeah, they lost. It was a tough. It was a low scoring. game. I mean, three to one. It was a very low scoring game last year. Quite boring, actually. And um, yeah, they lost. But yeah, historically, American League really dominates. I'm going to go with American League myself. Um, I can't pick the National League. There's no these are two. You know, all the players on both teams are all stars, quote unquote. They're fantastic players. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the American League, which is the better league. It's the tougher league to play in. Um, And I'm going to go with the American League. I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, you know, usually you want to maybe look at pitching here for, uh, you know, an all-star game. But at the same time, they're all all-stars. I don't know. Jared Weaver, Halliday, they have like, sick numbers. They all have, like, great, great numbers this season. So I'm going to go with the American League. I hope it's a little higher-scoring game. I really would like to see um, not, like, some crazy 15-13 to 13 game, but just something better than 3-1. to one. But it, you really get a lot of low-scoring games in these all-star games. The pitching is just so much better than the hitting, no matter what. When you have, like, these pitchers, the starters going one to two innings max at all. So, you know, you have your best closer, your best middle relief. So it's going to be a more low-scoring game, I believe. I hope for something more, but we will see. Um, Here's an interesting little tidbit real fast. Uh, Justin Verlander has rented a private plane uh, for the the All-Star Tiger teammates uh, to the All-Star game. Uh, very nice for him. He says, quote, I've had the opportunity to take some planes when I was younger, and uh, I'll take my friends now, end quote. Um, just pretty funny. Uh, yeah, he's going to be taking them all out to the game. So uh, nice job, JV. Uh, I just think it's kind of cool. It says, uh, quote, the first time getting to an all-star game is an awesome experience. To have the opportunity to make some some guys happy, it's a nice thing to do, end quote. So that's very nice to see Verlander helping out his boys, who a lot of them haven't been there before. I mean, obviously Miguel has, but guys like Avila, guys like Peralta, you know, guys that just have never been there. It is quite an experience. And, uh, you know, they're going out to Phoenix, so might as well enjoy it on a nice little private jet, right? Mm. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I would love to. Yeah, I would too. 
Um, let's see, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we get back, we have uh, some fun things to talk about and some serious things to talk about. And uh, we're going to talk about Mr. 3000, Derek Jeter, hitting his uh, 3000th hit, which was a home run, caught by a 23-year-old kid. We want to talk, would you have given the ball back? Would you have requested a dollar amount? What would you have done? Um, it's what's been talked about all day. What would you do if you caught that ball? Um, also, we're going to get to the fan that uh, uh, fell to his death very uh, very sadly um, at uh, Arlington Stadium uh, last week. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, we'll also talk a little Red Wings, little Pistons. Uh, got it all for you. This is uh, the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Aw, come back, cuddle bunny. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. David Megan here with you at 7.30. Got a half hour left of the show and a lot to talk about. So uh, don't forget the phone lines. Uh, the phone number is 517-432-3893. Uh, this is definitely a lot of opinion uh, talk here on these topics. Want to hear what the uh, listeners think as well. Derek Jita. Derek Jita uh, hit his 3,000th hit uh, over the, the, this uh, weekend, uh, and he becomes uh, only the 28th player total to ever hit 3,000. Uh, Pete Rose does lead the entire 3,000 hit club, but he's in the 4,000 hit club. So uh, Pete Rose is something else. But uh, Derek Jeter did it. He did it in the third inning off James Shields, a homer to the first, uh, the front section, uh, front row, section 236 out there in Yankee Stadium. Now, it was a 23-year-old kid named Christian Lopez who ends up getting this ball. Uh, he doesn't catch it initially. He says his dad dove over him, was trying to grab it. And then the ball just rolled right in front of him, and he just fell on it and then got escorted right out because people were probably ready to kill him, ready to attack him for that ball. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I mean, this was, you know, it's an amazing thing. A 23-year-old, uh, you know, he just got these tickets, $65 tickets a few days before that. Uh, you know, birthday present from his girlfriend. His girlfriend couldn't even go. So he just went with his dad. You know, they were just enjoying their time. He's taking a picture of Jeter at bat, and before he knows it, the ball's heading his way. So he gets this ball. Now, this guy doesn't ask for anything. I mean, doesn't ask for any money necessarily. This ball valued at possibly $100,000 to $250,000. Could be even more. Who knows? Falls into the right collector's hands. They would pay a ton for it. So my question to everyone out there is what would you do? I mean, this guy's 23. He's obviously he's young. He's kind of, you know, a college student, not an old guy. Um, he did get four front row tickets to every Yankees game the rest of the season, which are equivalent of $44,000. So he's going to be able to go to any game, and especially in the playoffs, world, whatever it happens, he can go to all those games, sign memorabilia, sign bets, sign jerseys. But that's all he got. Megan, what would you do? I mean, it, and at this age, like, you know, you're at a tight, you're at a, you know, a baseball game right now. And that happens on that level of, you know, historic, uh, historicness, excuse me. What do you do? I would keep it. Okay. <laughs> to be honest. You'd hold it hostage. I mean, I'm, I'm 21. I'm in college, obviously. I wouldn't be here. And <laughs> um, I would keep it. Holy cow. I mean, that kind of history, and especially, you know, it's valued at 100, what, you said 100 to 250? They talk, 000? yeah, people are saying 100 to 250. More people are saying like 250 is an average. Yeah, I mean, imagine that in. 
20, 40 years when maybe maybe you need the money more than you maybe need it. Yeah. Yeah. Like how much you th- that would be that would be like triple, quadruple or whatever what it's worth now, especially when it's just been chilling around. And if he has front row seats, pfft. I'd get Jeter to sign that thing. That just ups the value about, I don't even know. I would hold on to it, though. I mean, if I, if I got a ball like that, even from the Tigers, especially if I was, I am a mm-hmm. big Tigers fan, and if I got a ball like that, I'd hold on to it, even if it was worth thousands of dollars, unless I really, really, really needed it. And that's see the, how I feel. Yeah, and see, that's the thing, is that if it's, you know, for someone who doesn't need the money, and we all need money, don't get me wrong, but yeah. for someone who's not really hurting, doesn't have maybe a lot of student loan debt, um, you know, whatever the situation may be, they're not unemployed right now, they're not really feeling the effects as much from this economy, you know, what do you do with that ball? Because I feel you got to give it back to him regardless. I believe that's his ball, Jeter deserves it. Now, does he deserve it maybe at a price? Yes. Uh, you know, that it's different. Um, you know, I definitely would give the ball back to him, but at this point in my life, because I know I'm hurting for money, um, I'd say give me 100 k 100 k Is that reasonable? I'm not going to hold it. Hey, 100 grand. He'd be like, yeah, sure. Here's 100 grand. I mean, is that asking for too much? Is that wrong? Because, I, yes, I, what the guy did, I think, was admirable. It was amazing. And, you know, that's great. You don't see that often. You don't see someone, especially at that age, that just be able to, you know, say, hey, Jeter's one of my favorite fans. I'll never forget that day, meeting all those players, getting that memorabilia, having those seats. That means more to him than 100 grand in your pocket. But to me... I'd rather have the 100K. Would you rather? I mean, I mean, I'd love to have $100,000. But like, great. what would you, I mean, like, if you get that, got that ball, what price would you charge, basically? I mean, what would you do? I don't know. I'd have to talk to a few people. Well, yeah, you definitely have to talk to a few people. This is not some whim, bam, boom, yeah, quick like, thing. All right, 100 grand, here you go. Like, hand it to me right now. I'd have to talk to a few Just, people and see maybe some sort of median or some sort of agreement that they could come up with because if it's. Something, I mean, yeah, obviously it has to be reasonable, but... I'm not saying a million dollars. Like, you're not going to be yeah. sitting here, oh, like, no. No, 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 going no. crazy, but... Definitely not. I mean, what you said was reasonable for sure. I think for a guy like, I mean, he definitely has money. He's been in the league forever. Um, you know, he'd want the ball regardless, and I would love to clear all my debt. So, <laughs> give me 100 grand. Give me 100 grand. But, you know, I mean, definitely all the listeners, I'm curious because just, you know, everyone's got a different opinion on this. You know, what do you think? Should you should you charge the price for it? Should what he did was the best thing to do? Uh, give us a call. 517-432-3893. Because, um, I mean, it's a great story. It was an amazing weekend in sports, uh, you know, with Derek Cheater. Not just getting a little base hit for three thousand. It's a home run. I mean, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that kind of stuff just doesn't really happen it's too often. Too perfect. It really almost is to do it at home as well at yeah. Yankee Stadium. I mean, it, you know, you can't script that better. Um, so it's a real cool story. Uh, you know, great to hear that. You know, this kid, he's a star, um, at least for now. But uh, yeah, everyone loves him and deservingly so. What he did was ex- extremely admirable. Uh, I can't. You know, it's very impressed. For a 23-year-old to have that maturity. Oh, yeah. Did you want my quote? Yes. No, please read that quote. That's a hilarious quote. (laughs) Okay. um, For all you guys out there, I do have a Twitter. I do tweet. Um, I follow this guy. I wish I knew who he was. If I knew who he was, I would want to meet him. Funniest stuff ever. Um, A lot of it I can't say on air. Um, (laughs) But it's called Fake Jim Leland. So it's this guy who, like, will live tweet during games or, like, after games or after some stupid call or something like that, pretending like he knows... Jim Leland's thoughts. <laughs> and so, and just to go with this whole Jeter thing that we've been talking about, um, he tweeted on July 9th, and he put, took Jeter 17 se- seasons to get 3,000 hits. My managerial career took 17 months to get through 3,000 cigarettes. <laughs> so uh, that's that's Leland's thought about Jeter's uh, 17 seasons for 3,000 hits. So I think that's awesome. I, this whole thing, I mean, if you guys want to, go ahead and check him out. Fake Jim Leland, <laughs> if you have a Twitter. It's the funniest stuff I think I have ever read in my entire life. Just hey, because maybe it's that guy who's always at the Tigers games that looks just like Jim Leland. He's maybe. sitting in the crowd. You know, you never know. But that guy looks exactly like Jim Leland. This guy's hilarious. And just some of the stuff he puts on here. And look, sometimes I don't make pitching changes because getting out the dugout was tough like they put stuff like that 
and some of it's just really funny but yeah that's just his his thoughts about Jeter's 3,000 hits I thought it was just or his thoughts quote unquote I love it it's great no that's good <laughs> uh, real fast this is on definitely more somber note but I definitely wanted to touch on it um, it involves a fan at a, a game on Thursday night out in Texas a 39 year old man who fell 20 feet after attempt, attempting to catch a ball thrown to him by Josh Hamilton in the outfield uh, he fell between the divide fell 20 feet and um, he died uh, of cardiac arrest about an hour after getting to the hospital. Um, you know, he was at the game with his six-year-old son, Cooper. And, you know, his son watched in horror as his dad fell. And um, it's a very, very tra- tragic story. It's, um, it's, it's, it's extremely sad uh, to see something like that. You feel for the family. The, you know, you feel for Josh Hamilton, who tossed that ball um, into the stands. And, you know, it just un- wasn't a good enough toss. It just, you know, the guy leaned over too far. It's just, it's a horrible situation. My question is, do players need to rethink doing that in those circumstances? It's one thing to throw a ball, you know, you're on the first or third baseline. You're not at a risk of falling down. You're not leaning over necessarily more than just a little rail that you're not high up. Should, especially in the outfield like that, should that not be done? Should that not not be done anymore? Or I mean, what? Because freak things happen. Yeah, it's a ba- it's baseball. It's it's the only game where you have the players at risk of flying balls, flying bats. You don't have that risk in the NBA really at all. Ba- basketball is not going to kill you if it hits you in the second row. You know, baseballs, bats. You know, people being high up trying to catch foul balls. What do you do about this? Or do you just kind of mark it as, you know what, it was a tragedy, it was very freak, and, you know, that's it. It's just funny because everyone says baseball is, like, not exciting, but yet they have, like, the most things flying towards them other than hockey. Oh, always. And the hockey, they have nets up anyhow, so even though, at least a lot of the area. Right, and it's just, I think it's more dangerous for the fans than it is for the players, honestly. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's like, like like with the whole hockey thing, though, just to touch on that, whether they should call, like, they should be more strict on like checking and all those kind of stuff mm-hmm. because it, everyone's getting too many concussions. Yeah, yeah. freak things do act to happen. Excuse me, and I think it's just a part of the game. Everyone wants a ball. Like, who yeah. wouldn't want a foul ball? It is a freak accident. I feel like. How often do you hear about someone falling twenty feet, hitting their head on concrete, and dying from cardiac arrest? Not, not too often. In an ambulance. And, not too know, often. And I feel like it's it was just bad luck. You know, as sad as the story is, like I, obviously my heart goes out to you know, the family and the son who had to sit there and watch his dad fall 20 feet. Like, that's just horrible. I wouldn't want that for anyone. Um, But I I feel like it's, I feel like it's a part of the game. He just wanted a ball for his son. Exactly. And it's, it's, everyone wants that still. It's not like any, they're not going to throw the ball anymore in the crowd just because, you know, one, one thing happened like that. Yeah. Obviously they're probably going to be a little bit more cautious about it. A little more careful. Yeah. Maybe instead of tossing it to the first row, like really throw it good, throw like a lot further. Yeah. Throw a couple rows back. Yeah. Cause you see people diving for the balls all the time. Of course. They throw in there and they're always, I don't know how people don't hit their heads more often. Honestly. I know. I mean, just, (laughs) it's so, it's just so sad. I mean, you know, you're at the ballpark with your kid and this happens like, out of all things, and again, I feel terrible for Josh Hamilton. Um, you know that's got a weigh on you. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, I mean, just you know, flipping that foul ball, and it just you can't, you can't even imagine, honestly, what happened there. Um, you know, uh, Jim Leland has a quote uh, talking about the incident, saying, "Quote: Everyone's been conscientious of being fan friendly. You see a kid, you react, and you throw a ball to them. It's just an unfortunate situation." End quote. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Leland. I don't think we need to change anything that we're doing in the game. I don't think that players need to be restricted from throwing balls into the stands. You know, when you know whether whatever the situation may be. Again, maybe be a little more careful now, like you said, throw it further back, but. It's a freak thing. These things happen. Not often, but they happen. Mm -hmm. When you get 40,000 people together in one spot, like you saw earlier this season, the Giants and Dodgers, you know, that Giants fan who just got stomped on. I don't, he's still probably, he's, He's been on. He's been in a coma still, um, and that, that's a different type of free thing. Basically, you go out to you know you put yourself at risk in any situation, whatever you're doing on a day to day basis. There's risk involved, and you know what? That parent, as bad as he wanted the ball, maybe should have just been a little more careful. Uh-huh. And you know, it, it was a very sad thing that happened. And all my uh, you know all my blessings go out to that family and friends. I hope they're doing okay, uh-huh. uh, getting through this uh, tough time. But at the same time, I don't think we need to overreact. And, you know, like you said, we don't need to change 
that little thing of just tossing that ball to the stands because that's going to happen one out of you know two thousand baseball games maybe. Uh, it's not going to happen often, so just uh, you got to be a little more vigilant uh, regarding these types of things. But uh, yeah, if anyone has any thoughts regarding you know um, you know that incident at Arlington uh, Stadium, uh, definitely give us a call five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. But uh, we do have to move on right now to soccer. When do I ever say that? Never. We're moving to soccer. <laughs> um, I, I heard it was an exciting week and. Week, yeah, so. uh, that's what everybody's saying. Everyone's saying, you know, and I'll be honest, I didn't see this. OK, mm-hmm. I did not see it. I've seen highlights of it like I have watched it because it's all that's on uh, ESPN right now. Uh, basically yeah. all about this, all about Jeter. So if anyone watched ESPN today and listened to my show, sorry, but that's really what's kind of going on in the world of sports at this time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, the USA played Brazil uh, in what here was the quarterfinals of the uh, the World Cup, Women's World Cup, and it was a game that was 2-1. to one. It went into extra time in the 122nd minute. Hope Solo denied uh the no was that it no uh, yeah that's what hope solo denied the brazilians again in uh the penalty kicks and uh amazing pass to uh, abby womack a cross field pass and she heads it in with like the 121st minute roughly i think it was that tied the game at two sent it to penalty kicks uh, and the usa won five to three in the p after uh, pks so you've seen highlights of this right megan you've seen this header you've seen the, the reaction uh because I have a specific thing I want to talk about regarding mm-hmm. this. I mean, I've seen a little bit. I Honestly, it was on today. I watched like five minutes of it and changed the channel. Okay. So. Well, here's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, now the Americans, uh, they're going to be playing France here tomorrow morning um, in the semifinals. You know, congratulations to them. Uh, I did, again, I did not see this live. I watched the highlights of it, and it, yeah, it looks amazing. Uh, I think we all remember Brandy Chastain back in 1999 uh, with the penalty kick to win the World Cup, to win the whole thing, um, which was you know very exciting. Uh, this with basically no time left, a cross field pass. It was a beautiful goal. I mean, it was amazing. Again, you can't even script something like that. That was incredible. And then to have that great save by uh, Hope Solo, and uh, you know to win uh, penalty kicks. My question to everyone, and my question you Megan is are we going to remember this right now people are blowing this up as if it's miracle on ice as if it's something of such a stature that it's just because you know anything that involves our you know the country if it's ever you know Olympics all of that it's always I think built up to be more than it is to a degree Mm -hmm. but are we going to remember this in 20 years is this going to have that long-standing effect you know or is it going to be one of those kind of all right yeah kind of remember it but like three years from now like no I don't really remember it Nothing against women. Yeah. There's something with women's sports that guys just don't remember. Mm-hmm. Or, or just people, or, man. Or people. Yeah, people. I, guys, I meant like people, but I came out as guys. Um, <laughs> and it's. I, I would love to say, yeah, I think people still reminisce on it, especially big soccer fans. Because oh, yes. I, I, like I told you guys earlier, I'm a big Twitter person, and my, my, my news feed has just been blowing up with tweets about about soccer, about women's soccer. Yeah, congratulations, this, this. Yeah, fun. and it's like, oh my gosh, I love this person. Like, they're so great. And I'm like, But cool. you didn't care at all. No. And, you, you know, it's like you, this is what always angers me, is that no one gave a crap until, a week ago. Until we started. Two weeks ago. Well. No one cares. Yeah. People are probably, honestly, I know if I've done the same thing. I'm watching ESPN, and I'm, stop talking about this soccer. I know. and Because they're doing long segments on it, and. That's the only thing that always irks me is that no one gave a crap about this two weeks ago. And yes, you know, they won in amazing fashion. Um, that, you know, the excitement, the drama behind that is very impressive. It really is. But again, it's one of just everyone in the jumps on this soccer bandwagon for two seconds. And it, it just it seems so hollow to me. Um, like, again, I think it's cool. I think I'll remember the 1999 one more than this. I mean, just, you know, to win the whole World Cup, and I think that's the thing you have to look at here, is it will it'll definitely be remembered much, much more if they win the World Cup. If they lose if they lose to France tomorrow, well... Well, that's the end of well, that. Well, that's the end of that. Yeah. And then screw soccer for the next two years oh, until yeah. the until the next World Cup. Right. You know, or, and that's exactly what it's going to be. So unless the women, and I wish them all the best, what a fantastic uh, comeback win against Brazil. But unless they completely win it all, again, women's sport, uh, it's just it's really tough to engage people. And we're talking about history. We're talking oh, about, yeah. you know, I don't remember Miracle on Ice. I wasn't born yet, but I will, you know, it's just it's the number one 
biggest win, greatest, you know, achievement practically in American sports culture. Or maybe if they make a movie out of it. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, bend it like Brazil. I don't know. Like, um, but, you know, I just think, you know, again, congratulations to the women for getting it done. I really do think that was a fantastic win. But I just think that everyone's kind of getting a little soccer crazy. And just and just for the quick – here's the thing. If they would have beat Brazil and they didn't beat them in some final second sh- headshot to send oh, it to OT and penalty kicks, would we really be talking about this on Monday? No. If it was just If it was just like a three-to-one win and they were going to the semis? Absolutely not. It's those it's those kind of moments that get people so intrigued. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, it was so close. She had it. What? What just happened? Like everyone, what did she everyone's do? like, oh my gosh, like glued to the TV. Like what's going on? You know. But I, like you said, I mean, if it wasn't close, everybody'd be like, oh, they won. All right. Yeah, they they the won, and all right. Well, we'll see what they do against the semis, and then right. we won't care until they actually go to the World Cup. Exactly. I I completely agree with that. That's it's just like those those teams and those sports you don't care about. No one cares about until. We're doing well, yeah. or until it's exciting and it's a close, close match or a close game or something. Uh-huh. And they've actually made it far. Yeah, you know, and that's the sad part about sports is you know, <laughs> they call baseball, football, and basketball the big three. Oh yeah, you no, know, that's the big three. Oh, that's hands down. And that's the only thing I don't want to say that people really care about, but people, it's always in the spotlight. It's always in people's heads. Like I'm sure you can remember big things in baseball from like the 1940s or 50s. Oh, I can, can remember things in baseball for. For a long time, football, basketball, right. uh, memory soccer. burn. Soccer. Soccer. What I remember of soccer, uh, you know, Zinedine Zidane headbutting, you know, Italy's player in the 2006 World Cup, headbutting him in the chest. That's what I remember. Um, like, I just, I don't remember a lot. I mean, I, I guess I remember the men, the Men's World Cup, kind of, uh, that took place here last year. Yeah. Um, you know, to a degree, again, because we get this hoopla for two weeks and then it just completely fizzles out, like, just stale pop. Um but, you know, again, the U.S.-Brazil ratings, best since 1999. Um, the victory drew a 2.6 overnight rating, uh, which was the best the network has seen since the 1999 World Cup, um, which was, you know, the second highest here on ESPN. So, uh, yeah, they had um, a lot of people watched it. Oh, yeah. A lot of people watched it. They really watched it because they re-aired it at, like, 8 o'clock last night, and or, that was the thing. Or were people just... Not watching up until they heard it was really close, and then they flipped on the TV like, oh. They might have did that, but, I mean, do you know, I I think they played this game in the morning, I want to say, on Sunday, or, like, it was like, and that's, I know they re-aired it at, like, 8 o'clock last night, and they obviously re-aired it because probably not a lot of people watched what was going on until they, you gotta check this game out. Like, it was amazing. (laughs) You see this, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll watch it. Uh, Nothing else is on. Tigers played at one. But, um, again, congratulations to the women. I just think that, uh. I think we all blow these things up, and trust no one's going to be talking about this if they don't win the World Cup in two weeks. No one's going to be. It's going to be completely forgotten. Oh, I agree. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, I hope they can beat France. It's not going to be easy. Uh, and I believe that's tomorrow. Coverage starts at 9.30 a.m. I think the game starts at 11.30 <coughs> Excuse me, a.m. on ESPN. <coughs> you all right? <coughs> yes, I am fine. <laughs> I'm just coughing for the soccer players. Oh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Probably not. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <coughs> geez, you, do you have a NASCAR? Not, not up. I mean, if you can find something. <laughs> well, I, just one second. I, I need to take a drink of water, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Yeah, Dave's dying. He has been for the past, I want to say, couple of weeks. I was doing fine. <laughs> Got a tickle oh, in my throat. Oh, the worst. You know when I get those is when I go to the doctor. You know, like, when you're going to the doctor, there's nothing wrong with you, and then all of a sudden you get this tickle and you're coughing like crazy. Like, what's going on? And everyone thinks you're dying. Doctor's like, you got black lung? Like, <laughs> nope. Um, do you want some NASCAR? Yeah, do NASCAR for a second, then I'll do this uh, Wings thing at Alrighty, the end. July 9th. So, sat- Saturday? Saturday. <laughs> July 9th was Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Um, they had... I don't even know what it was called. Quaker State 400. Quaker State. In, in Kentucky. Um, Kyle Busch was our winner. One of the Bush guys, of course. Um, always do well. Uh, they do. They do. Filed by um, David Ruddeman, Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman, Carl Edwards. You know, it's one of those things. It, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, Dave Reagan. It is Reagan, by it the way. It is Reagan. I know. My it buddy told Reagan. me when I am like, son of a... You know, I know. Just... You're like, I think it's Reagan. And I'm like, no, and then you know, the funny thing is, we went to school... With a kid named Regan. Oh. And his name was Dave. Like his name was Dave. Yeah, R-E-G-A-N. Oh, okay. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> Regan. I will never get that one wrong again. Oh, goodness. And then, um, you know, we had Jeff Gordon coming in at 10. 
And I, I mean, there's it's really so, another boring race. Another guys. boring race. Uh, margin of victory. You're really you're really putting a NASCAR in a pedestal there. You know, I, I, boring race. <laughs> I, you know, I could if I watch these. If I had the time, to you watch should. These, or you should DVR them. <laughs> And then you can just fast forward. Right. I mean, um, six cautions. None of them look too exciting. They're all pretty short on laps. Well, except for one was eight laps. Um, margin of victory, 0.179, almost three-hour race. 20 lead changes. I mean, pretty average. Um, nothing like, you know, the Daytona 500 that they had at the beginning of the year, which was, I, they want, I want to say, they said was one of the most exciting. Which race? Uh, Daytona 500. Oh, Daytona was real good. Yeah, and... You know, <laughs> I wish I could tell you more, but you like it? Nothing. Nothing. Really, it just wasn't that good. No, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll start watching them and I'll start nitpicking races for you guys and telling you all the cool, exciting things that you guys definitely because I, I got to hear about these cool because I'm not going to watch them. So I got to, <laughs> so I got to hear gotta about. So you got to you got to watch them and you got to tell me what's going on because then maybe I'll be like, oh, I'll tune into a race. Because I've just watched the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500 this season. So it shows you how much of a racing fan I am. Huge. Huge. <laughs> uh, looking at the Red Wings here real fast. Uh, the Red Wings uh, have now uh, Babcock has uh, selected his assistant uh, coaches uh, at this time. He's uh, hired Jeff Blasso, uh, who was a coach out there for Western Michigan, the Broncos, Bucking Broncos. And uh, we also signed uh, Peters uh, to uh, both uh, – both of them have spent the last three seasons coaching in the American uh, League uh, Rockford Ice Hogs. Ice Hogs. Uh, real cool league. Uh, but, yes, these guys have been coaching out there. Uh, Babcock got a hold of them, and he has added them to his staff, which uh, is a good thing. Obviously, uh, you know, Michigan boy, uh, you know, Blasso said, quote, it's an emotional day. I wasn't looking to leave. Um, you know, Western Michigan is a great place, and the program will continue to grow. But to be part of an organization, organization such as the Red Wings, it's an incredible opportunity, end quote. Um, he led the Broncos to the CCHA Tournament Finals and the program's first NCAA tournament berth since 1996 uh, when he's been on their coaching staff. Uh, he finished 19-10-3 and, and was named the National Coach of the Year by several college hockey publications. So a uh, great job uh, you know, for Babcock finding, uh, seems like two good stand-up guys, to uh, take those assistant coaching roles. And uh, we'll see what the Wings keep on doing. Wings did make one other move, something they needed to do. Red Wings signed goaltender Joey McDonald to a two-year contract. Uh, Joey McDonald, who has been playing a lot with the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins, he's 31 years old. He played 15 games with the team last season after Osgood went down with a groin injury. McDonald was 5-5-3. Five, five, he had a 2-5-8 goals against average and almost a 92% save percentage. Uh, they're saying that he's going to be mostly uh, number three goalie on the depth chart. They haven't gotten rid of Osgood yet, but uh, they just have him as number three just because they don't know what's going on yet. Um, Joey McDonald will start the season off with the Grand, Rapid, uh, Grand Rapids Griffins. Um, he will start out there. Um, you know, Ken Holland says that he will talk with Chris Osgood after he returns from Europe on vacation. And uh, I guess Osgood was supposed to have gotten back like yesterday. So uh, they're going to talk about him and see if they possibly are going to re-sign him. They're also talking about possibly getting Ty Conklin, uh, which always is a good thing. Conklin, uh, pretty uh, darn good uh, goalie. Uh, would not mind having him as a backup either. So with just three minutes left, I don't know what we're going to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we'll just sit here in silence. <laughs> we'll just sit here for two minutes. Yeah, right. I'm I mean, sure you, you have to have some facts. I have something. It's like one fact. Like, this computer has been moving so slow, it's ridiculous. It's always. I don't know why. I mean, like you said, there's no students here. I don't know what, like, the network is not. Hey, it's like when mine wouldn't connect to the internet. <laughs> That's true. And there were no students here. I was getting irritated. I wonder if they were just doing work on it or something. I'm surprised you're, you're using an Ethernet, though, and I'm on wireless. Mine's working perfect. I know. Well, I, I know. I, I have a lot of articles brought up at times, but. Oh. And a lot of stats, but still. Um, work better. <laughs> but uh, I do have one fact, and it just involves the All-Star game, and it's just uh, about the numbers. Um, and just here's some interesting facts. Um, here's, uh, we're going to focus on it here, talking about the uh, 84 players who have been named to play in the game for the All-Star uh, teams. Uh, the account accounting for the original selections and all the replacements for the 16 players who were named in the teams but won't be active. So there's 84 
So here's what they're saying, basically. There are 750 Major League players active in the league. 25 players per team, 30 teams. So right now, with 84 players out of 750 playing in the All-Star game, that means 11.2% of players, one out of every nine players, is going to be playing in the All-Star game or wearing, you know, be part of it. They might not be playing. They might be a reserve or whatever. But 11% of the league is in the All-Star game. Real quick, I know then we're going to, I mean, this is real quick. Is that too many people? Like, you know, with, with MLB, they always have so many players named to the All-Star game. Is that too many? If you look at other leagues, they don't do that many. You know, you have a lot less, a lot less. You know, I mean, you're talking 11% of the whole league. That's a decent amount. You think they should shrink it at all? I mean, cut it down. You're talking about MLB, right? I'm talking about MLB. Um, with how many players, especially that have been dropping out this year, why not? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> why not give less? I mean, I can, I know it's definitely a little harder to base a player on in in baseball almost because you, they have you have their batting average or if they're a pitcher you have their oh you have a lot of stuff yes stuff. with like basketball you have like rebounds assists scoring I don't know like I mean the, baseball has a ton of stats on it it's just. I don't. You, you, do you when they do it? the introductions for these this all star these all star games, it takes forever because they introduce every person. But uh, that is a topic for another day. Uh, we will definitely get to that another time. But uh, coming up next is the Asian invasion. So uh, definitely stay tuned. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in on this gorgeous July 11th uh, evening, and uh, hope everyone is going to have a good night out there. Definitely tune in next week for a brand new show of the Spartan Sports Wrap for everyone here at 88.9. My name is Dave Frankie. I'm Megan. You guys have a good evening. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.